0: Well welcome to another edition, another episode of the Love Your City podcast. So good to see you, Letitia. Yes. I just love this podcast. I think I love it Why the most of everyone cheesy in the world. now. Cheesy.
1: Wow. Well, but I know you love it because you get excited.
0: It's good for I just you know, I just like talking in front of a microphone. It's the <laughs> my preacher, the preacher inside of me.
1: That's good. You should become a singer as well.
0: No, that would be a bad idea for everyone. <laughs> okay. That'd so be a certain way to turn off our listeners.
1: Would be, yeah. yeah. Uh, you and I were in Dubai back in March, a bit of a yep. time. It does, doesn't it? Um, we were attending, well, Movement Day there. Yes. But um, before Movement Day, there was something called The Next Move. Do you want to mm. tell us about that?
0: Yeah, The Next Move. Um, so taking taking the, uh, I guess, the heart and the DNA of Movement Day and, and city gospel movements and seeing uh, cities transformed and impacted by the gospel and really uh, passing that on to the next generation not passing it on in the sense of giving them the baton and then letting go ourselves as, as people who are maybe in the, we kind of probably bridge the two generations, I think, you and I, Tish, mm. more me than you. Um, you're more, you know, you're older than me. but um, <laughs> Carry on. But uh, working together, you know, holding the baton together, mm. if, if that works, um, sitting around the table together, doing engaging cities together. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was brilliant together with, I think, about 75, I think they ended mm. up having, 75 young leaders from around the world um, doing incredible things, um, 40 nations I think I mm-hmm. heard, um, s- yep. something like that, so real global expression, a real coming together of tribes and tongues and nations um, and there were a lot of different tongues spoken yep. uh, which was cool and um, and so yeah, pretty pretty unreal and, and surreal to be I- involved in that, mm. um, we had the pleasure of meeting some incredible leaders including the bloke who we interviewed who mm. were about to uh, play for our listeners, tell us about him.
1: Yeah, Luke, look, part of the next move is really addressing some of the issues of why young adults, particularly, are exiting the church. Mm. Um, And so Luke Greenwood, um, he's a part of a European ministry, reaching out um, to young people over there. Mm. He captured me um, because he was talking about secularism and how Mm. you... A minister to young people in this day and age yeah. and um, I just was so captured by him as soon as he finished I jumped up and ran over and probably frightened the living daylights <laughs> out of him um, but wanted to capture him and what he said um, yeah. around just this whole issue of secularism, secularism. Uh, well done. No, can't say it very yeah. well um, and just how do we minister in this day and age
0: yeah I, th- I think one of the things that I hadn't really thought much about because you know coming from little old Toowoomba in Australia mm. and not really seeing much of the world until these recent opportunities is is the effect of globalization on youth culture is that there's a similarity from nation to nation Mm. um uh, that there is this thing called the global youth culture and what i love about what luke and and steiger ministries as he will talk about um you know at the heart according to tim keller who you know is a pretty smart guy the heart of a city gospel movement is a contextualized theological vision now Mm. that's a fancy way of saying doing the hard work in your city of Understanding what it is about the gospel that makes it good news to the people you're trying to reach, mm. not just having a prepackaged, you know, thrown together sort of thing from the other side of the world. And if you if you just give them this tract or yeah. if you give them this program or this app, they'll hear the gospel. But actually doing the hard work, saying, No, what is it about this particular group of people that I'm trying to reach that makes the gospel good news to them? What I love about what Luke's doing in that in that uh, global youth culture, they're really contextualized. Mm. Uh, the gospel to say this is why the gospel is good news to you Mm -hmm. Um, and that's incredible and to see that um, happening in Poland for him and across the world. Mm. Really exciting um, ministry and a, a great humble guy as yeah. you'll pick up from the interview.
1: Yeah. Just before we listen to the interview, I want to refer people back to an interview we did with a millennial yeah. last year, Millie Voitlander from mm. the US of A. She was visiting Toowoomba. Episode 7, you can hear her. But again, yeah. she talks about what millennials are looking for, what she believes part of the new church looks like yeah. for them. Um, yeah. So if you're really keen on this topic, episode 7.
0: Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Good stuff. Enjoy our interview with Luke Greenwood.
1: Well, with us today we have Luke. And um, at the moment, Sam and I are currently in Dubai. And with a whole bunch of young leaders from... I think about 40 different nations in Mm. the room together and we've just come out of a session um, listening to Luke and just your real passion for Millennials and what they're Mm. facing but before we dive into that Luke just tell us a little bit about yourself where you're from your background and what you do
2: great sure definitely it's great to be with you guys Um, I was born in the UK but I grew up in Brazil my parents were missionaries there and I spent most of my life there but now I live in Europe uh, in Poland Uh, My wife's Polish. We met on the mission field, like doing, you know, touring around the world, sharing Jesus with people. Got married and uh, we've been serving this mission for about 15 years now. And we're based in Poland, in Europe. Okay.
1: And what are you doing um, in Poland?
2: So, I'm the European Director for a mission called Steiger And Steiger is focused on reaching what we call the global youth culture. So, we're identifying a demographic of sort of 15 to 35-year-olds who would not walk into a church because Mm. they have a negative view of God, of the church. Uh, Secularism is a big part of of their lives, Uh, they're in urban centers around the world. And so we're looking at uh, creative ways of engaging with um, the global youth culture. How can we share the truth of the gospel in that context? How can we make disciples in that context? And how can we bridge the gap uh, from the church to people outside the church? So we're doing all of this very much in partnership with churches around the world. We have teams in cities working with various churches, reaching the youth culture of that city and bridging the gap with the church. That's mostly what we do as a mission.
0: Luke, I love the way you just you define secularism in the right. room just yes. before. Um, can you can you tell us for our listeners how you define it?
2: Definitely. I mean, secularism is is when we put ourselves in the centre and God becomes irrelevant to our day-to-day lives. Mm. So it becomes uh, a situation where people. You know, not so many people are atheists today. They, they might say, well, maybe there's a God, but he doesn't really interfere in my life. Yeah. I don't know. And a big part of it is the, the loss of truth. Mm. So people will say, well, nobody really knows. If you can't Google it, then you can't know. Anything that you can't Google, nobody yeah. has an answer for. Sure. And so um, the generation today and many generations already growing up in this context, when I was in the UK, we were reaching people. We had like a cafe, an evangelistic cafe, reaching out to the young people Mm. in the neighborhood. And many would come to me and they'd say things like, my parents told me to never go to the church because it's a bunch of lies. So they've grown up already in that context Mm. where truth is not defined and where there's this negative view of Mm. church and of God. And that really breaks my heart because I'm thinking, how can I make the gospel accessible to those guys? And so secularism, big part of our lives today, I think.
0: So in your in your work in uh, in Poland, um, and it's it's not just in Poland, is it? It's across. Yeah, nations. yeah.
2: We we have uh, missionaries in 14 different countries right now, yeah. um, and we, we've got a vision to establish teams in 100 cities around the world um, in the next cool. sort of 10 years.
0: Can you tell us maybe a story or two of of real life on life conversations you've had with young people? Uh, Specific examples before I ask another question.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, one thing we love doing is going out to the streets and doing street interviews Mm. to to hear the voice of the city and of the young people on the street. Very often we'll be asking questions like, what what purpose do you have in life? Or what do you consider most important in life? Um, What do you live for? And, and just so often we get these answers of, of people saying, oh, I, don't, I don't really have a meaning or a purpose. Some people try to keep it positive, like I don't need a purpose. Mm-hmm. Others will say, well, I, don't, I just don't know, and I, I feel I'd like to know, and yeah. I don't know. Um, I was playing in a club uh, in the city I live in, in Wrocław, in Poland, uh, two months ago. We played with another band. Um, I play often in the, in the rock scene or the hardcore music scene. And so we we're playing with this band from Norway And uh, they were proclaimed atheists. And I share the gospel message from stage in this club. And the singer of the other band came up to me afterwards and and he said, "Um, I really connected with what you said. And I said, oh, that's that's awesome, you know, maybe maybe he's a believer or something. And he goes, you know, I'm part of the secular humanist society in Norway. I run a confirmation camp for atheists. He said, because uh, in Norway, most people grow up having to go to confirmation camps to, you know, for Lutheran church. And I do one for those that don't want to believe in that. Mm. He said, but I'd never heard anybody explain who Jesus is in the way you did just now. And so he's like, that, that's something I've never really thought about. And we've been messaging backwards and forwards on, on Messenger ever yeah. since because he's got all these questions. I'm sharing books from C.S. Lewis with him and all this kind right. of thing. But they're open. It's just that they, people often today don't get a chance to hear it in a way they can yeah. understand and it makes yeah. sense to them.
0: So my next question is going to be then, as you minister in different cultures and different countries, what are, what are some of the constant things you see across cultures? Does mm-hmm. that make sense?
2: Well, actually that's a key part for us as a mission because we say mm. we're reaching the global youth culture. So yeah. part of that is recognizing mm. that there is a global culture. Mm. And and that, I mean, I've experienced that personally. We've been touring with bands in our mission for a number of years. We've, I've been touring in places like Turkey mm. or um, Beirut, Lebanon or South America, Brazil, Chile, um, Europe. We did something in Japan like year, U.S., so all over the world, and often what we're finding is that there are va- values are shared because yeah. we're all connected. I mean, globalism connects us. If you're in a city with an internet connection, you're watching the same movies, mm. you're listening to the same music, you're sharing the same posts, you're wearing the same T-shirts, mm. and so there is this connectedness, and there are certain aspects that... That the younger generation share mm. a big part of it for me is a worldview. There is mm. a worldview yeah. being shared. So there's a consumer culture that affects us, but there's a worldview, and it and it and that's where secularism comes in, mm. because it's become the predominant worldview, and people don't realise it. So when I was in university, I was told that my faith couldn't come into my studies and my and my work because it had to be separate. Yep. So this mm. divide mm. of the secular and the sacred is something that is. It's seen as well. That's how it is. That's everybody yeah. thinks this way. It's we don't realize that that's become a predominant mindset, and we're not questioning it and challenging it in an intelligent and an in and a loving way, mm. which is I think what Jesus would do today. You know.
1: Yeah. yeah. So something that you said that uh, at the end of your talk that really impacted me um, was that secularism, secularism is yeah. one of the biggest issues that this church has to grapple with today. Yeah. How do we do that? You know, when you're just. <laughs> In yeah. your little city in Australia, right. um, how, do you, how do you go there?
2: Well, I, I come from a missionary family, like I said. My parents are missionaries. I grew up in that world and I love that world and I've always learned so much from the history of church and missions. And to me, it's nothing new in a sense, because missions, right from Acts, when Paul went to the Greeks, when Paul went to the Gentiles the first time, it's always been about going to another culture, going to another people, and making the gospel accessible, contextualized in a way that people can understand. I I see that that, it's the same principle today, but what we need to recognize is, while we've had a great push over the last century to reach unreached people groups in missions and in church planting, that's very important. It continues to be an issue, but we're grappling with a new issue Today. I believe it's the new frontier of missions, mm. which is to reach the secularized young people in urban centers today. I mean, they're vastly decreasing um, in their church participation, as we've just been hearing here as well. Mm. And we need to do something about that. I believe that needs to be a priority for the church, which means doing the same process of getting to know the culture, yep. connecting its relationships, yep. it's hearing and understanding um, the questions and speaking in the language that they can understand and then communicating the gospel clearly in that setting yeah. and making disciples yeah. in that setting. So I think we need to learn that in our own cities. How do we contextualize? How do we go to people? How do we share the gospel today? Sure.
0: How do you find the church? The churches in Poland? Mm-hmm. What's your
2: relationship like with them? Oh, we, we have great relationships with loads of churches, maybe a majority of churches in Poland. But one of the challenges we have in Poland is that um, it's in terms of the evangelical church, very small representation. Mm. Um, It's a very strong Catholic country. That's a great opportunity. There are many followers of Jesus um, in in that, but a lot of it is just tradition. A lot of people have lost or don't understand the sense anymore. Mm. When we talk about a personal relationship with Jesus, probably less than 0.2% of people in Poland have that. I mean, that's a crazy statistic. It's less than 1% have an understanding of a personal relationship with Jesus. So in my city of around five, 600,000 people, there are 15 churches in total. Yeah. And so try, So we work with all those churches. Yeah, in fact, they've, they've invited <laughs> us just this next month. My wife leads our team in that city. They've said, would you come and do a training for all the churches in our mm. city um, of how to do personal evangelism? Mm. Because we're, we're sort of preparing up for a big event we're going to do. We're going to have um, uh, Nick Voichit in uh, oh, the main right. stadium awesome. of our city. And so it's a great opportunity to share the gospel in a big way in that city where yeah. most people have no idea yeah, yeah. Um, of what it means to follow Jesus yeah. in this way. So. Wow.
1: So you're running a global ministry, um, yeah. but you're here at a conference. It's about reaching cities. Uh, yeah. Why have you gotten involved in the next move, uh, Movement Day?
2: Well, I, I met Mac Peer uh, in 2017 at a conference in Russia, in Moscow, and I loved the vision he was sharing. I, I had heard of it before, but I didn't really get to know it till that point. And it really connected with us because the demographic we're reaching are young people in the cities. Yeah. And, and we actually had this vision of how can we start missionary teams in a hundred cities around Europe. And um, so when he was sharing about having gospel movements in cities, I was like, yes, that's we, we could play a part in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when I came here, and as I've been involved this last year, for me it's been about unity and knowing that we can't make a difference to this secularized generation unless we're in unity yeah. with the churches, organizations, marketplace leaders. And secondly, because of um, the heart in movement.org and, and in the next move, to, for the next generation to be um, empowered to reach the next generation and, that, and that's key I think for us to stay relevant and connected for the church to mm. stay relevant and connected mm. it's about empowering the next generation because they are the best missionaries to reach their peers yeah. so that's what we need to be doing I yeah think. fantastic
0: yeah. Um, I love globalization, mate, because it means we can sit with someone like exactly. you in, in Dubai of all places and yeah. have this conversation. There was a funny moment before in the room where uh, you said you're asked to be involved with the worship, right. and you said I haven't played that music for a long time. <laughs> yeah, give it, give, it, give your band a plug, mate. Tell us. Oh, where all right. <laughs> so,
2: well, can I? I'd, I'd like to. So, there's a couple of things I'd love to share. Um, okay. w- one thing is um, we do a podcast every week in our yep. mission as well, similar to what you guys are doing. It's called Provoke and Inspire, okay. and yep. it's um, a, where we talk about how do we follow Jesus in secular culture. in a sacred context today. And we talk about what we're talking about now a lot. Um, and a number of us in the podcast have bands no yeah. longer music being one of them connected mm. to the mission and I have a band called The Unrest, we're mm. based in Poland and we do festivals and clubs and that kind of thing, it might not be the kind of music everybody listens to at home but <laughs> it's uh, definitely a way of connecting with um, a scene, yeah. not shout so. to the Lord hey? <laughs> <laughs> well I, 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 I love worshipping God together and Absolutely. I really enjoy all kinds of music, yeah. it's just I'm not they, they look at me and they say oh you're a musician, you can play any music, I'm yeah, not that sure. kind of musician, I'm not that good so yeah. I know how to do Aww. what I do and I'm not so good at doing other things. Brilliant.
0: (laughs) Well, we love what you do, mate, and keep on doing it. And uh, it's been great to meet you, and thanks so much for your time. It's an honour. It's a privilege. Thanks, Thanks, Luke.